following presentation was recorded live by the Jewish Ethics Institute. I'd like to discuss um, relevant to the holidays and somewhat medical is the question of the sociological changes affect halachatulna. The past few weeks we're discussing when science conflicts with halach. So how do we how do we reckon that? Today, um, because it's relevant to how they we're going to take a break from science and discuss um, sociological changes and how does that affect halacha. Um, as we, as of course, as we know, halacha doesn't change. Halacha, as we discussed within science, halacha principles themselves never change. The question only is the applications of how we apply that principle. Sometimes, just as you have halacha, which is based on, let's say, medical facts. Let's say the decision to whether you can violate Shabbat is dependent on whether the doctor tells you it's an emergency. Right? So, so the halacha is not changing, it's just each case might be different based on the science, based on the medicine. So the question, uh, there are other applications let's, of halacha or other halachas that are based on sociological facts, okay, or context, the context of soci- sociology of their time. And the question is, does the application of those principles of those halacha principles um, change. Again, not the halacha. The halacha is not changing. They already insulted him. The halacha is not changing. It's just the issue of the application. Ed, you got it? The halacha never changes. Just the question of do how of the application of that principle. What so, changes is the way the rabbis define the loophole. No, 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 no. No, God forbid. What changes is the Again, the, since the, soci- the halacha was based on a certain sociological context in that time, and now that that sociological context changed, so do we change the application of that halachic principle or not? Because now that the society is different. Um, but it's not that the halacha is changing, meaning the outcome will change, yes. The ruling will change, but, not, but the principle is not changing. It's the application of the principle. I'm going to give you three examples of sociological change that happened, uh, and which, which, and we'll discuss how that works halachically, um, meaning the application. So the three changes are, first of all, um, the question: uh, there's the issue of hot water, okay? Um, and we'll get to the the halachic principles, but just sociologically, um, even 50, 70 years ago. Um, people did not have uh, readily available hot water in their homes. They didn't have hot water heaters. They didn't have um, that, just that itself. There was no, uh, not every home had a hot water heater. I'm sure there are many countries in the world today that still um, don't have readily available hot water in the house or plumbing at all for that matter. Okay, that's one um, difference, which today I think in America, at least in Bel Air, um, all, all homes have hot water heaters. Okay. Um, maybe in Louisiana, someplace you might find some. But in general, the, the general so, uh, in our society today, hot water is re- readily available. It means you can take a hot shower, a hot bath whenever you'd like. Um, the second aspect is actually the concept of showering. Showering or, or bathing on a daily basis, um, even in Houston or surely in, in other places, northeast, where you don't get as sweaty, it was not a daily occurrence. Um, even uh, probably 30 years ago, 40 years ago, the fact that people shower daily, our our concepts of hygiene have changed. 
Um, and just the fact, I think they're connected in some way, the fact that how water is readily available, um, therefore it's much easier to shower, to take a shower and bathe daily. Um, but it's become, I think, sociologically the norm to shower daily in the United States. I can tell you my father grew up in Poland before World War II. Um, he told me the way it worked is when he was a teenager, he went once a week on Friday, he went down to the river, you had one pair, you had one pair of pants, one shirt for Shabbos, and one pair of pants and one shirt for the week. And then they were actually was, came from a wealthy family, um, but that's the way it worked. You went down to the river on Friday, you, you went into the river, changed your pants into Shabbos, and that was it. Um, he told me once that he came home from yeshiva, he played hooky for his sister's wedding. He went to yeshiva out of town, he took the train home, surprised his parents, um, and his father was so upset that he left yeshiva, he didn't let him come to the wedding. He didn't let him bathe, meaning because he had to take a shower, he had, he had to bathe to go to the wedding. He said, sorry, you played hooky from school, you can't come to his sister's wedding. You know, you don't take off from studying Torah, but the point is, he, showering was the bathing, not showering. Any type of bathing was like a luxury. Um, it was not uh, an accepted practice, except maybe once a week, as you're saying, you bathe in the river. So that's something here, that's, another, that's a sociological change. That, as we'll see, is very relevant to the holidays, to the halachic principles of the holidays. Number three is um, the concept of women carrying weapons. Um, okay, so there's a Torah, as we know, there's a prohibition in the Torah of cross-dressing, biblical prohibition, it's good to know this, okay, um, it comes up. There, it's, the Torah says very clearly, lo yilbash gever simlasisha, a man cannot wear a woman's garment, and lo silbash isha, remember the exact word? Salmat gever. Here we have a balkori. So, uh, so that's, it's an explicit biblical prohibition, cross-dressing, either gender, cannot wear the clothing of other genders. Now, Talmud, the Talmud expands on that and, and um, <coughs> says it's not limited to clothing. It's all what, quote-unquote, acts that are uh, done specifically by one gender. An example of that the Talmud gives is a female carrying weapons. In those days, a female, did not, uh, carry, a female to carry a spear or a sword was totally a male domain, and therefore, says the Talmud, a female carrying a weapon of going out to war would be considered a violation of this biblical prohibition of, of, of wearing a male garment, so to speak. Okay, so obviously today society has changed. Um, we, especially in Texas, women do carry weapons. So how does that work and how does the application of that rule, does that change because society has changed? Is it no longer considered, is a gun or a weapon no longer considered a male garment? Which it was in those days, it's limited to the male domain. That's the, so let's, let me go back to the, we'll start with the, sh the showering issue. So I'll explain like this. The, the, as we know, one of the, there's 39 prohibited actions to do on Shabbat. Prohibited, quote unquote, we call work. Going to work, this is always a myth. People think, you're not allowed to work on Shabbat. That's not true. You're allowed to work on Shabbat. As we said, rabbis, the only time rabbis work is Shabbat. Right. So going to work is not the issue. The issue is there's specifically 39 categories of creative labor that are prohibited on Shabbat. It's only because we, we, don't, we don't do things on Shabbos that, uh, that are creative. Just like God sees creation on the seventh day, we don't create. So for example, if you work... sermons that would, would I have a call for verify that. Oh. that they're not working. 
What are you saying? The rabbis aren't no, working. No, that's not creative. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's, it's the 39 things that need to Yes, but I'm saying, but it's creative labor that's prohibited. It's not labor. It means if I work in a think tank, I want to go to work on Shabbos. If I work in Walmart stacking shelves, as long as I'm not printing out the labels, technically you're not doing anything wrong, at least biblically speaking. Nothing, there's, there's no prohibition to go to work. Prohibition is to do creative labor on Shabbat. Okay, one of those creative labors is, um, is heating things up, cooking. Cooking, when you take something that's raw and you cook it, okay, so now it didn't exist before. That means before you had a raw piece of meat and it wasn't edible, now I created a cooked piece of meat on Shabbat. So that's one of the 39 prohibited categories of labor. On Shabbat is heating things up with fire. Okay, so therefore, taking a hot shower on Shabbat is technically a problem because uh, your hot water heater, when you, I mean, technically you could say the water was heated before Shabbat and your heater, depending on one time on Shabbat, but um, but te- it's uh, in either case it's a rabbinical problem washing your whole body on Shabbat because they were concerned that you're going to come to heat up the water. Okay, so bathing on Shabbat is a prohibition again in hot water, cold water is not a problem, but that's very clear the Talmud discusses that extensively um, because, again, you're now out to heat the water on Shabbat. Now, one of the, uh, the differences between a holiday and Shabbat, say, we're now we're in the midst of a holiday, with, anyway, it's Chalamod, you can do any type of labor, but on the first day of Sukkot, second day for Americans, and the last day that's coming up, the two last days, which are, again, Sunday, begins Sunday night, which is Simchus Torah and Shemini Yatzeret, so the Torah differentiates between a holiday and Shabbat. That's a pasuk in Parshat Bo. Uh, do you know where? Pasuk. Where it talks about, pasuk says like this, I can find it. In, it. This is in the context of the holiday of Pesach, but that's someone to go for us. <coughs> it says like this. Uh, can you find it here? Pasuk says that you shall celebrate, here it is. How are you? Can't find it. Here it is. So it's in the context of Pesach, it says like this. Bayom HaRishon, Mikra Kodesh, on the first day, again, Pesach is a seven-day holiday in the Torah. So it says, on the first day, you shall call it a holy, a holy day, make it a holiday, sanctify the day. But Yom Ashvi Mikra Kodesh, on the seventh day, Yelachem, Kol Malach Al So really, holidays are the same as Shabbat. All, again, creative work cannot be done on the holiday, just as on Shabbat. Except, one exception, says the Torah, Ach, Asher Yachel Lechal Nefesh. As we know, food is, how, how important food is to Jews. So the Torah says, anything for the purpose of food, that's what you may do. Okay, so anything for the purpose of food, such as cooking, um, you're allowed to do on a holiday. So cooking is permitted on a holiday. We only use, it's a question of biblical or rabbinical, we only light from existing fire, try not to, we don't strike a match on, on Yantiv, on the Chag, but, uh, but that's a question that might only be rabbinical, it's, it's debatable, that's debatable. But in either case, the Torah says explicitly the difference between Shabbat and Yantiv is only one thing. Whatever you need for food. Food is very, very important, as we know in our religion. And actually, that's the, the philosophical reason behind it I saw um, explained. One of the reasons explained is because Shabbat is really a mitzvah. As we know, there's two categories of mitzvot in the Torah. There's mitzvah between 
person and God. Okay, let's say tefillin, um, lulav and esrog, that's between you and God. And then there's mitzvahs that are social mitzvahs, that are between man and fellow man. So he explains that Shabbat is, is a mitzvah, you're supposed to spend time in your house, studying Torah, whatever it is, it's a spiritual day between you and God. Holidays, Yom Tov, the purpose is social. The purpose of a Chag is to be social. Now you can't be social if you can't invite guests and you can't cook food. It's very hard to be social. The goal, he says, uh, this is the Meshachachim speaking, his name, I forgot his name, um, but uh, but uh, he says that the purpose of the goal of the holiday is nothing is not have nothing to do with God, but the goal is to make to, to form community. You invite people to your home. You you have as the Torah says you have widow, the orphan, everyone. It's it's about a social it's a social gathering, and therefore you can't not have uh, if the Torah doesn't allow you to cook. Right? Obviously, it's not going to work. You can't be social without food. So therefore, so he says that's why the difference the Torah makes a difference between the Shabbat and Halim, this again, this is the only difference. The only difference is really when it comes to food items, the Torah allows you to cook. Now, the rabbis in their infinite wisdom um, um, broadened it and had, they had a concept called mitoch. Talmud talks about that just once we allow you to light a fire for cooking, then you can light a fire for other things too. So, for example, bathing technically would be one of them. Let's say you want to heat up water or you want to warm up your home. You live in, in a cold place, not in Houston. You live in the Northeast. And uh, it's cold. So can I light a fire to heat my home on the Chag? So the answer is yes. Because once we allowed you to light a fire for, um, for food purposes, then you can use that fire and you can light a fire for other purposes too. Okay? So now, what uh, about carry, transferring so of Same thing. Carrying is also for food purposes. It was permitted, and then once it was permitted for food, they allowed for other things. That's a good point, because again, you have to, to be social. You have to bring food to your neighbor. You have to, so, so we like carrying. Yeah. Uh, I remember when I was a kid in Israel, and we would pass by the synagogues of the ultra Orthodox, and we were smoking cigarettes because it was a sign of rebellion mm-hmm. when we were young and stupid. And the, the, the kids, I'm telling you, they were below Bar Mitzvah age, and they would ask us to light their cigarettes, but not to strike matches, but from our oh, parents' cigarettes. Yeah. So I forgot. Only, so that's, only on Chag, not on Shabbat. Oh, so that's a great, that's a great, another great point. That's a, I forgot to mention that, actually. I said there's three, I only mentioned three sociological changes. That's another sociological change, as we're going to talk about, relevant to the same question, meaning cigarette smoking, also changed immensely, meaning uh, 30, uh, you were a kid 20 years ago, right? Thank you, so 20, thank you. 20 years ago, make, or make 30 50 years ago. Okay, 50 we, years ago. Over 50, you'll be 50 years ago, cigarette smoking was the norm in most of society. Israel, it might still be the norm, but at least in Western society where we, we, we saw, we believed the certain general studies, so uh, it's changed, right? It used to be probably almost 50% of the population would smoke in the 50s and the 40s for sure. Today, it's probably uh, down to maybe 15% or even less. Maybe on t- 22% still. Really? That's, uh, I find that hard to believe in America. That's maybe in Louisiana, not in <laughs> it's, it's a composite America. picture. Okay. 
It's 50% Louisiana and 10% Brooklyn. <laughs> okay. As we used to say when I moved in Alabama, thank God for Mississippi. Yeah. <laughs> we say the same thing in Texas. <laughs> so, uh, so the point is that's another example of a sociological change, which the halacha may change. I'm going to show you in a second. So the question becomes like this. The, if you notice, the language is ach yechel lechol nefesh. The translation of those words means except that which is eaten for every soul, for every person. So the Talmud says, based on this, Etil <coughs> says, in order for to be permitted to light a fire on Shabbat, oh, I'm uh, sorry, not on Shabbat, Shabbat is not permitted to light a fire, on the Chag, it's only permitted, as the Torah is saying, when the Torah permits you to light a fire, it's only if it's what's called Shavel Chal Nefesh. That means it has to be a benefit that every, it's the normal benefit for every person. It's a, it's a standard benefit. Every person can benefit from that. If it's not a pleasure, if it's not something that everyone benefits from, then you can't do it on the chak. You can't light a fire for that purpose. Okay, so, so the question now becomes, so again, in the past, smoking is a perfect example. Smoking was a standard benefit. Everyone enjoyed smoking. Not everyone, but a good percentage of society, enough that it would be considered a benefit that everyone could technically enjoy that pleasure. And it's discussed. In the 1700s, there are many, many responses and debates about smoking on the Chag, is it permitted or is it not? So there are different opinions, but the standard was it was accepted to smoke, as he's telling us, where do you live, which city? It was Petah Tikva. Petah Tikva. So, so you live it's in Petah Tikva? A synagogue every block. Right. Petah Tikva is a very uh, religious city, in those, in, right, in those days at least. So the, 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 uh, the point is, people would smoke on the Chag, it was accepted. When I was a kid, I remember also. Even, uh, that was five years ago. Right, so, so uh, it was accepted, smoking was accepted on the Chag. Again, there's a different question which we're not discussing is, is it smoking permitted even during the week today? That we said is a problem health for, because that's a different problem. But we're not leaving that, the health issues out of it. The issue is just sociologically, so now it is no longer accepted, to, it's no longer benefit for all because only a small segment of society smokes. And as a matter of fact, people who are not smoking can't stand this. You know, if you do smoke today in public or in a restaurant, they'll, they'll kill you. It's like worse than, uh, than sexual assault, almost. Right? So, yeah. So the same would apply also to alcohol, I assume? Social no. phenomena? No, but again, alcohol is no violation. We're talking about okay. the issue is lighting a fire. Mr. First part, so the issue is only... Right now, eight states, marijuana is legal, will be legal. Yeah, but it's nothing to do with the legality or not. No, it has to do with is it and, and No, it has to do with is it done by the by a large percentage of society. Oh, so I'm saying when when it is going to be. Oh, okay. Yeah. So then it's technically the same question would apply. Again, if assuming it's permitted during the week. But we're talking about specifically on the chag. Okay. So, so that would be another example where sociological change. The question is, does the halacha change? It used to be it was accepted to smoke on the chag because it was what, what we deem shavel lechal nefesh. That means again, the benefit that anyone, it was a normal type of benefit that people enjoyed, benefit for all, so to speak. Now that only a small, very small segment of society smokes, so does that change? Do we say now you can't smoke on the Chag because now it's not a benefit for all. Most people can't stand smoke. Okay, so, so that's question number one. The second question, going back to the showering question is, as we said, society used to not bathe daily. Bathing daily, it says, as the, as the Actually, it's already in medieval times. Um, the Tosfot, the commentary on the Talmud, I don't have it, it's in the library, says that uh, bathing, bathing was for milganim. 
for people. That's the people who go on cruises. Those are the people who bathe. We're regular people, you know, people who enjoy pleasure. Regular average Joe doesn't bathe. That wasn't that was unheard of again because they didn't have hot water or any water available really. Even when later on when they had let's say water available, you had a well outside your house. It's still bathing was not to do it daily was a major thing and I don't think they even had the ability to heat up the water in that way, except in public bathhouses where they built them specifically to heat water on that level, a larger large amounts of water in your house. You know, you could heat up a pot on your on your coal stove at most, but you didn't. You couldn't get into the pot, so you had very you know you'd have to heat multiple pots to to make a bath. And by the time you finished the last cooking up the last pot, the first pot was already ice cold. So the concept of a hot bath was again very rare until recently. Um, surely the concept of showering daily, of a shower and showering daily, was almost unheard of until recently. Yes. So is there a difference between a hot water tank? that has a pilot light so that all you're ever doing is changing the size of the flame versus one that has an electronic pilot light that has no flame and then when you when it creates a, a flame it, it lights from an electronic Right, so, I, so it's a good question, meaning again, because we well, officially... transferring the fire, isn't it? Yeah, so if there's a pilot, there's no problem, it's transferring the flame, technically on Yant, if there's no issue. Um, so you'd be allowed to watch. Right, exactly. Transferring a flame is not an issue. So I, again, I, 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 there's a debate whether transferring a flame. Is also, um, sorry. Um, the transferring, meaning if it's an electronic ignition, so that's a good question. I don't know. I don't know enough. I'm an engineer. I don't know exactly how that works. Um, if it's creating a new flame, that could be a problem. But again, it's what we call a grumble. It's only causation. You're not doing an action. You're taking out water from the heater, assuming it's a tank, not a tankless heater, which is a whole different question. You're taking hot water, and when you shower, you're taking hot water, hot water out of the heater, so then when it reaches a certain line, new water comes in and turns on the electronic ignition. So, I don't, so that's what, anyway, we call a, it's a, what we call in halacha, it's a, called a grama, causation. It's not a direct act, which might not be a problem anyway. Um, and that's not your intention, is not necessarily to heat the water. But the point is here, technically the water was cooked on the, on the chai. For us? No, but I, he needed to be opened. The door had to be opened. You should have slammed it again if it wasn't for here. Well, he, he, he had to go to the kitchen. He was going to anyway, do so, so the question now becomes in today's day and age where, again, showering is very, is the norm. It's a pleasure, I think, that everyone that's does. That's in the United, that's the United most, States, yes. Most most of the United States, yes. A lot of it. Right, but interestingly like enough. Eighty-one. Yeah. My daughter was in the Gambia, and there certainly was no. Yeah, it's like Louisiana. Gambia is like Louisiana. <laughs> no, it was very. It's as much as we love the beat of Louisiana. And I Gambia am sure much, much that where she is, where where she was, is still operating yes. the yes. same. Yes, one hundred percent. So obviously we're talking about Western which yes. saved no, I love Louisiana. I love Louisiana. Listen, I love Louisiana. God forbid. I, I am sure there are parts of Yeah, we're not talking. We're talking about in America. No, in America, parts of the places that have mines and stuff like that, that they, they don't have water either. Goyim live there, not Jews. You can't guarantee that. No, there's nothing to do with it. I'll just show you, in Texas, believe it or not, there was a court case. Tried to find it here. 
um, there was a court case in Texas, listen, uh, this, this was in 1992, um, where a prisoner sued the Texas Prison Authority um, because they wouldn't allow him to shower daily, and he won. I'll read you here, it says, uh, um, Thomas versus Alsip, this is in 1992, Texas Court of Appeals, notes that Texas prison regulations, and as we know, Texas is not a state known for its expansive prisoner rights, um, um, still mandates that even prisoners be allowed to shower daily in Texas. So, so yeah. that's even in Texas. They won recently a lawsuit about air conditioning. Yeah. Really? Uh, that's that's really uh, yeah, again a, again the same thing that it is becoming changing society. Yeah. That's a beautiful yeah. That's a good point. So the point is, you see, even the Texas Court of Appeals ruled that showering daily is a necessity in today's day and age. It's no it's no longer a luxury as it was, you know, 30, 40, 50 years ago, it is now a normal part of society, and it's, a, and I don't know, it's, they're saying it's a violation of human rights if you don't shower. That's, that might be pushing it, but in either case, um, the question becomes, so now, since, so again, the Shulchan and I don't have uh, in front of me, but the Shulchan in the Code of Jewish Law says very clearly, you're all, the, and it's from a Mishnah, in Sechad Be'ah, says that you're only allowed to wash on the Chag, heat up water, to wash your face, hands, and feet. Okay, because those that was the norm. They would wash washing your hands and your face <coughs> and your feet was the norm. But anything more than that, that's for you know luxury. That's a luxury. So therefore, you can't do that on the chag because that's not shavu l'chal That's and that's what the shulchan aruch rules very clearly. Now the question is: so does as we're saying the sociological change affect that ruling? Um, now that we're saying sociologically. It is the norm to wash your whole body, and then it explicitly rules in the Shulchan Aruch: you cannot wash your whole body on the chag with hot water. You can use cold water. You can, uh, you know, you can use uh, even actually the discussion of lukewarm water, meaning because that uh, maybe it's discussed actually a woman going to the mikvah on the chag that they're allowed to make the water lukewarm because again that in those days was the norm. They wouldn't go into freezing cold water. Lived in Russia, maybe break the ice, um, but uh, but. Um, but uh, that's the story, you know, the famous story, actually, the, there's a, in Alaska, so you have all these stories, if you speak to Rabbi Lazarus from Chabad, tell you stories that the women in Russia, they would actually go, they didn't have a mikvah, and the communism, they would go to the, to the bay and they would break the ice to go to the mikvah, I mean, literally, <laughs> so pretty serious. That's commitment. <laughs> yes, but they, uh, there's a story, actually, in Alaska, there's a story I read, there was a, there was a Chabad, Chabad actually there was a mikvah on an Air Force base in, a, in Alaska. Shh, can't hear me. There was a, there was a mikvah on the Air Force base because the chaplain was needed a mikvah for his wife. The U.S. government built a mikvah on the Air Force base, but when he left, they, they got rid of it. So when the Chabad rabbi opened up in Anchorage, there was no mikvah. So he, they, they would use the, they would go to the bay. They actually go to the bay to use the mikvah. So uh, the story is that uh, one this woman was going to the bay, to the bay uh, and broke the ice, and she went in, and then a moose popped out, and she started running. <laughs> <laughs> so they called this as that's the title of the story was the moose in the mikvah. So that's when they fundraised and they built the first mikvah in Anchorage <laughs> after the moose in the mikvah. So the point is so so um, so the shulchan again says explicitly prohibits. Um, washing your whole body on the chag with wa- water that you cooked on the chag. So the question then becomes again: Can does this rule of sh- of shavuot change with sociological change? Welcome, welcome. So 
save these bagels. Okay? So so what's clear is the bear the Mishnah Bura the Bear Allah says um, the Khafit Chaim when writing about this, he actually addresses that the, the fact that it says you can wash your feet, he says maybe it's no longer applicable because today, in those days he explains, in the olden days, in times of the Talmud, people would walk barefoot on dirt roads. So everyone when you came home, part of your ritual was you'd wash your feet before your wife would bring out, or I don't say wife, someone, kids, someone would bring out a basin of water where you'd wash your feet before entering the house. That was the norm. Today, no one washes their feet anymore. I mean, you take a shower, end up washing your feet, but it's not normal to wash your feet. Says the Chafetz Chaim in his day already, which was around uh, almost 100 years ago, 95 years ago, says the Chafetz Chaim that maybe you can no longer heat up water to wash your feet on the Chag, because again, the sociology has changed. People don't wash their feet. And since people don't wash their feet, they wash their hands. Um, you could only wash your hands and face today with hot water on the chat, but not your feet. Okay? So, um, so, so, he, so you see that he clearly held that the sociological changes will affect the application of this law. And he's clearly saying that um, on the chag today, he, he says you shouldn't wash your feet. Another thing is, the Ramah, who was the amendment on the Shulchan Aruch, uh, Ramah, his name was Ramosh Israelis. He lived in 1600s Krakow, Poland. He was the Ashkenazic amendment. Yes. You're saying in the United States all these new things. Yes. But what about Gambia? No. What about people in the United States? They don't have all these modern things. Not everybody does. You know, there are a lot of very poor people in this United right. States. So that's a good, very good point. So the Gemara actually, yes, the Gemara says, when the, when we we talk about the principle of Shavuot Chal Nefesh, so the Talmud asks you a question. Talmud says, so are you saying that uh, if someone has can't cook venison on the Chag because venison is only for rich people, right? Um, and therefore, it's not it's not Shavuot Chal Nefesh. That's the Gemara's question. The Gemara asks her a question, and, and it says. Uh, if you come late, even for prayers, not an excuse. <laughs> Torah is more important than God, than praying to God, not than God. But, um, anyway, so so uh, you'll get it. You'll pick it up. You'll hear what we So the Gemara asks a question. The Gemara says, "Can I? Maybe I shouldn't be able to cook venison on the Chag because that's not shavuot chal nefesh. That's not an enjoyment had by most people." So the Gemara says, "That's no. That doesn't work like that. First of all, we look at the concept of food. For all food." Food is, is enjoyable for all people. It's something that all people need nutrition and it's a pleasure to the palate. So the fact that, that I like spicy food and you don't and your wife uh, you know, cooks her potato cocoa one way and my wife cooks it doesn't mean that that's not shavuot chal nefesh. I like jalapenos in my food. You don't. So that, that's not, that's not to do with shavuot chal nefesh. Food in itself, all food is considered um, that people, uh, people enjoy it. So the fact that I like more salty food or less salty food, that doesn't affect it. Or, or this guy, venison, no, it's meaning the fact that venison is only available to rich people, that doesn't make it um, not shovel chanefesh. So, so, but when it, um, but here when it comes to hot water, you're right. If you live in a, the fact, if I live in a society where majority of society enjoys this, even if I'm poor, if I don't have the means to have a hot water heater in my house, I can't afford electricity, so therefore it, it goes off. Or you live in Puerto Rico with it hasn't been electricity for the last 12 months, right? So, so, so then, so the point is, 
everyone still enjoys it, just they're missing it because they can't afford it. They can't do it for themselves personally, but that doesn't affect the fact that it is a pleasure that benefits all. You understand? That's the principle. The principle is it has to be a pleasure that benefits all. Yes. You mentioned that uh, Shabbat is really a holiday, a mitzvah between man and God. But it's also supposed to be a joyous day, and part of that sharing with your friends and family and eating, of course. It doesn't say joyous when it comes to that. It says one, pleasure. I mean, you're supposed to you're supposed to enjoy it. There's a difference between joy and enjoying. So are you making that distinction between Chag and Shabbat? Chag, it says specifically, is a mitzvah that you should be joyous on your holiday. It doesn't say that about Shabbat. It doesn't say you have to be joyous. You could be miserable. Right? You should eat things that give you pleasure, do things that give you pleasure. So in addition to the biblical injunction he's, he's against uh, lighting fires and Shabbat, you're also making that distinction between an own egg and being joyous. On no, that, I'm just explaining the philosophy behind it. You you, you you violate Shabbat to, to have a good time. Well, that was the rationale that I understood it. No, no, well, it's obviously not. Look at the Siddur for any holy day. The, and you see in parentheses for Shabbat, it is mentioned the rest. And for uh, and for the Chag, it, it, right, it's about the joy. Right, the theme of Shabbat is rest. That's what he means. The theme is of Shabbat is resting. The theme of Chag is joyous, is to be joyous. So that's the difference. I'm just, anyway, what I said was just explaining the philosophy behind you know, it's, it doesn't affect that a lot. I mean, the philosophy. Yeah, but yeah, the philosophy, but I'm saying, but we, again, based on philosophy, we don't vi- allow you to violate law. The Torah tells you on the Chag you can violate, you can light a fire. It's the Torah. Without the Torah saying it, we couldn't, we, we're just trying to explain. Once the Torah permits lighting a fire, why is it on the Chag and not on Shabbat? So, does uh, the, the specifics of, um, <coughs> of the Halacha consistent with the principle depend on, you know, what type of what community you live in, like a very different between a very poor community and a moderately um, so uh, it could be community. again if if we're saying and if today? we're saying it's true that this law is based on society, the application of the law, not the law, the the meaning the concept of shavuot chal nefesh that it has to be a benefit to all is based on society. So yes, it depends where you live. If you live in Gambia, as she's saying, uh, so then. What's shavel chal nefesh and what's a benefit to all in Gambia is not the same. Or even going back to smoking, his example is a perfect example. Smoking in the in America today is not shavel chal nefesh, and therefore what we're saying is if the rule changes, it, you wouldn't be allowed to smoke on the chag, as opposed to if you go to you're in China, where China exactly where seventy percent of the population smokes or sixty percent, so then you would be allowed to smoke on the chag. It's based on the society, is what we're saying. No, meaning. Is it a benefit in the society you're living in? Is this a benefit to all? Not a benefit. It's a benefit to all. And benefit, I don't mean it's good for you because smoking is clearly not good right. for you. It means, it means it enjoyable, it's enjoyable. Right. No, so when you yeah. say benefit to all, is all defined as a majority? So it's a good question. It's a good question. I haven't found anywhere where it's clearly defined, but it's, it's, it's something meaning that everyone could potentially enjoy it. It doesn't mean they're doing it necessarily. <coughs> But it's something that, well, I don't want to say that because then you could I say bathing. It's almost deliberate ambiguity. It could be. Probably. Or the rabbis didn't know how to define it. But either way, the, the point is right. Shovel, it, it's discussed like in the context of venison and like that. But And in the context of cigarettes, even cigarette smoking is questionable because even, believe it or not, in the old days, in the 1600s, um, there were people who, today, you know, most people, <laughs> like it's like... 
like you did the you know the worst thing. If someone's smoking, they'll, they'll literally they, they you know affects them and they start coughing and they're allergic. And in those days, there were people like that too. It was only much less, but there were people who couldn't stand cigarette smoke. So there was a discussion. It isn't it a question of not how many people or what majority, but whether it's an accepted pattern in society. So if it's accepted, yeah, but that's what we say. How do you define accept? Uh, meaning, if only a minority doing it. It's not a question of who's doing it, it's a question of how people are responding to it. So like with smoking, most people are responding negatively. Today. Now that puts it in a different category than, all right, than taking a shower. Right, but what I'm saying is, so for example... So that yeah, even if you don't take a shower on Shabbos, you don't object to people taking a shower on Shabbos. Yantif, yantif. yantif, yantif. Um, no, but what I'm saying is the reason why I don't want to. I would have. I started saying what you said, but the problem is, because showering is something. Even in those days, everyone could have enjoyed it. It just wasn't done. Meaning, because they, they didn't have the technology to do it on a on a daily basis, because they couldn't heat their water. So, but everyone technically would have enjoyed going to you know going into a bath, a hot bath. Just they, it wasn't done because they didn't have the technology. So society. So you see, it's not just dependent on if, it, if people would enjoy it, but uh, what's actually happening in society. Is it being done or is it not being done? The fact that it's not being done, and only special people, very rich, are doing or not, not, and that's, again, I don't want to, only people who are very into hedonistic pleasure in those days were doing full body bathing on a daily basis. Um, or, so therefore, it's, it wasn't considered shavu l'chol nefesh. Today, Everyone has a bath in their house, and everyone has hot water available. You understand? So, I'm not sure how to define it. It's a good question. That's why marijuana is going to be a test case. Because the more and more states legalize it, become more socially acceptable, and then you can have this problem: is is that now socially acceptable? Right. So maybe that's the that's a nice word for socially acceptable. Right. Well, lighting up. That's what you're saying. Would you be able to smoke a joint? That's the question. It's a good. It's, a, it's actually a valid point. So again, so, I, so we're proving from the Chavetz Chaim the fact that he's saying today you should not wash your feet. He's clearly of the opinion that sociologically, the sociological change affects the application of this law of Shavu Lechal Nefesh. That's number one. That's what I'm proving. And the second proof I want to bring for this is the Ramah says that for an infant, you're allowed to bathe the infant on Yatif and hot water, cook hot water just to bathe the whole infant's body because that was done on a regular basis. Daily, they would bathe their infants. That's what the Ramah says in the 1600s, interestingly enough. They would b daily bathe infants, because the infants got dirty, I guess, Well, they thought it was healthy. Uh, he talks about, so he says, for Tinog, the Ramah says, you're allowed to bathe them on Yantif and cook hot water for them. Um, you for that, you, you may. Cook hot water to bathe them in. We're talking about bathing. bathe an infant on Yes, on Yantif. Yantif. So now, so comes the Magen Avram, who was, uh, let's say, uh, I don't know, 50, 100 years later, after the Ramah. Um, his name was Avram Gumbiner, who lived in Danzig, I think. He was from also Polish, Danzig. And he's a commentator on the Shekhanach. He says, today, in our day, where we no longer bathe infants daily, um, he says, you can't do it. You can't bathe your infant daily. Again, he's saying, because of the sociological change in society at the time, that it used to be they bathe their infants daily, and now they stop. Therefore, he says, you can't heat up hot water. So very clearly, there he seems to be, they p seem both to be of the opinion that the sociological change in society will affect the application of this law. So based on that, um, what I want to propose is, and, and discuss, um, is in today's day and age, especially in Texas, where you shower daily, 
where it's the norm to shower daily in our society. So therefore, it would be 100% permitted to heat up water, to turn on your hot water heater, whatever the case is, to, to shower on Yantif, without question, based on what we're saying. Um, because society has changed. Okay, because in our day and age, and again, if you live in Gambia, if you live in wherever, we're not going to get personal, in Puerto Rico, then where it might not be the norm to shower daily, so then you wouldn't be allowed to shower daily. Now, as far as smoking, it's the opposite. Smoking, it used to be permitted, it would have been permitted to smoke on the Chag, on the Yantif, because again, that was uh, the norm in society. It was a normal pleasure. Today, where society has gone the opposite way, and smoking is, is no longer an accepted form of pleasure in most of society. So therefore, you wouldn't be allowed to smoke on the Chag anymore. So if you go back to Petr Tikva, and you see those guys, those same guys who ask you to light them up, it would be a problem. You just tell them, Asur, it's prohibited to do it on the Chag. So, um, so, so what's interesting, meaning if you smoke on the Chag, then you can't shower. Because they're apps, meaning understand if you smoke, that means you still say, that the halacha didn't change. It ruled that smoking was a shavel chanevesh. Then the halacha doesn't change, so then you wouldn't be allowed to shower on the chag. Now it's meaning the application works both as two-way street. If, if you're saying societal change has an effect on the application of the ruling, then it has to go both ways. If something now becomes out of society, such as smoking, you can't do it. Yeah. You're responsible for changing these rules as we go along. Very good question. That's why we get paid for. That's why we get paid so much money. And you know what's That's a, what, what, what the, the, the big problem is? Yes. With all these different sections of Judaism, uh, multiple sections, I mean, nobody's going to, this one's not going to accept that one. Now. Yeah, that's, that's always, that's, that's, part, of that's part of the fun of Judaism, yes. That's Excuse part, me? That's part of the fun of being Jewish. Is, uh, <laughs> a, a rabbi. Multiple uh, opinions. Follow your rabbi. That's why it says you follow what your yeah, rabbi says. We, no, no. That's the rabbis got to go according to halacha. Yes, and I'm saying they could have different opinions. So, for example, this this thing of showering, no one explicitly I mean, haven't found. Many, take a deep breath. No one has found. I, I haven't found anywhere someone explicitly says that showering today is permitted. You all say maybe uh, they're everyone's scared to say it. But it's one of the problems in Orthodox theology is that people, Orthodox rabbis, are very scared to make changes. So, but. They all agree in theory this should be technically it should be okay. No one says explicitly that that it is okay today. Smoking they do prohibit. Prohibiting things we have no problem prohibiting. It's much easier. That's a big problem also. It's much easier to prohibit things than to permit well, things. I'm, so I'm certainly impressed that the Chafetz Chaim oh. felt confident enough to, to contradict prohibit. the text of the Shulchan. Yeah, but prohibit to prohibit, not to permit. Okay. By the way, there is another thing in smoke when they discuss, when they debate about smoking on the Chag. This is again in the 1600s, 1700s. They do discuss, first of all, another issue, which is the, the cigarettes. Even then, it seems like the paper, just like today, it says Marlboro on your cigarette. So the problem is when you're smoking, you're erasing the letters, which is another prohibition on... Uh, <laughs> so the problem is that every time you take a puff, you're, you're, you're not allowed to erase words on Shabbat. That's another issue they deal with, which you have to. So therefore, you have to roll your own cigarettes. You may have to roll your own cigarettes. Yeah. Um, uh, but but uh, the other thing, yeah. You were, you know, you, you have a whole problem here that the halacha is one thing. When you go about what society permits or what's accepted, I mean, if you look around the world in so many different communities, the customs are so different. It's no wonder you get different rulings, but from different rabbis depending on the local custom. But you, 
I, I appreciate how the Judaism's effort to deal with change in society, but they're really getting into a very difficult and thorny area, like who, like you're saying, who decides what's acceptable nowadays, what's acceptable. It's a very thorny yeah, set no, of issues. Yeah, 100%, and that's why it's, it's, change doesn't come easy in, uh, in Allah. You can understand the reluctance. I'm saying that's, change. yeah, I'm saying because, again, because it's a slippery slope, you know, right? and, and also it's a very hard concept for people to grasp. For most people, because they think, oh, the halach is changing. But again, it's very important to understand, it's not that the halach is changing. <coughs> the, the principle remains the same. In order for something, as the Torah says, it's a pasuk in the Torah, it's a verse. The verse says, <laughs> it has to be something that is a benefit to all. So the principle remains the same. It's the question of the definition, uh, or not the definition, it's the application of benefit to all is based on society. So it's very important to understand. So the, the ruling... The ruling ends up changing, but the slippery slope there is people think, oh, you can change it. The rabbis have the leeway to change the, the Torah. That's well, the problem that not, you're dealing with. Like most that. people get yeah, they get very excited. Oh, so therefore, now we can start eating pork. It's not like that. You know, it gets, a it's a slippery slope. What's accepted in society, even the scientific acceptance, is completely whimsical. I mean, those of us in medicine know that in our lifetimes, um, like diet, has been all over the map. Like one decade, uh, this is acceptable. One isn't, and so that yes, yeah, so you're right. It technically would go back really and forth. A so it's a very area. yes, I agree. But that's why I'm quoting you the Texas uh, Appeals Court. It says showering today is a is a necessity. So no, you're right. It's and who gets to define? And that's what exactly. really uh, who has many as me. Like think, right. of, uh, think of the person that says, well, well, I I like bathing my infant every day, even though it's no longer acceptable. Why should I say, who am I hurting if I bathe my No, kids. So we're talking about people who observe halacha. The question is, if the halacha says you could only do it if it's an acceptable norm in society. That's what they're saying. But you can understand that person arguing. Yeah. Wait, who says just because just you say so it's not acceptable? I can understand why something would become more stringent if it has become offensive to society. I cannot understand why it becomes more stringent if it is just beneficial to the person. More lean. Uh, more more lean. Yeah, so again, it's, it's not about stringent lean. That's not the issue here. We're not, the, the issue is, is the Torah says you can only do on Yatif things that are benefit to all. That's the words of the Pasuk. Shavel Echal Nefesh. Okay? Which means it's a benefit to all. So now we have to look at different things in society and is this a benefit to all society or is it just a few rich people who go uh, who play golf is it you know only for golfers or is it all for everyone for all parts of society right there's is it only for white males or not right you know there's a lot, there's a lot of yeah, our society right rich white males so, but the point so is that's the question what awful to somebody else <laughs> and in another era it was permissible to that particular person why should it ever be removed from be that? Because again, the Torah is not an avera. One second. Again, the Torah tells you what's permitted. We're going with the book, the good book. This is the book. I didn't write it. I didn't make this stuff up. Yeah, but okay, it says, listen. God. That was Dr. Manny Magazine. He retracted. He retracted. Um, okay, so so the, the the verse says like this. I'm gonna read. You came late. You missed the verse. You missed the original. The verse says it's only permitted to to do things for food purposes. Ashayachel lechol nefesh. 
that are beneficial, that are eaten for all people, all souls, literally. Okay, and the Talmud understands that to mean it, the only thing we're permitted to do on the Chag different than Shabbat is something that's beneficial to all of society. Benefit, I don't mean that's good for you. It means because red meat is not good for you. It means beneficial, that it's enjoyable. It's, it's a standard, as we're saying, I don't know, we use different terms here. So without that, it's nothing to do with stringent, lenient, that's irrelevant. Shavelechol nefesh means equally regarded by everyone. By society, right. It's, a, it's a something that everyone can relate to. We all can enjoy a hot bath. Okay, everyone can, can uh, everyone showers today. Everyone likes uh, barbecue. There's no one in the world there. People in Whole Foods, they look depressed. That's why they look depressed, those people in Whole Foods. But people, healthy, normal human beings like barbecue, right? Okay, so... so, uh, so Unless you live in a vegan society. So I said, those, we're not talking about those people. Those are depressed people. They're the people who, normal, healthy human beings like barbecue. Therefore, you're allowed to cook your barbecue on Yantin. Okay, because that's a normal enjoyment. So now, we're running out of time. So just want to address... So we dress smoking, we dress showering. Yes. What was the third? The issue of guns, I'm just going to say it quickly because uh, I don't know the answer yet, for sure. But I'm saying technically speaking, there's, again, well, that's another law we find in Torah, very interesting, which is subjective to society. Because the Torah, we're not, again, we're not changing. Halacha Torah can't change. But the Torah says a male should not wear woman's oh. garments. A female should not wear uh, male garments. Okay? Now, Every society has different ideas of what female and male garments is. For example, wearing pants in the 20s in America was purely a male in the male domain. That changed. I don't know when it changed. Um, in America today, women wearing trousers is is it's a, now a female garment. Trousers were never for for thousands of years was never a, a female garment. Now it is in America. Okay, if you go to Iran, it's still only the domain of males in Iran. If a woman gets caught in trousers, she'll be shot, publicly executed, right? So over there, in that society, so again, you see here a total law which is subjective to society's definition of a male and female garment. Okay? It's a very, and you very rarely find it. As the, as the fashion changed, somebody was making an avara. Hey, it could was. be the first woman who put and on trousers was making that, yeah. we now got a new uh, someone, I did see someone says that that's an interesting point the meaning uh, that's a different question do we define it by Jewish society do we define it by <laughs> non-Jewish society is defined like you're saying someone had to sin originally to, to change the trend in society so it's a very good point okay? so now that we say halacha changes it actually has a valid point changed on based on the, the uh, I don't want to say the original sin because that's a <laughs> that sounds bad. And, and in but, uh, Scotland, men point wear is, skirts. Right, exactly. So in Scotland, where men wear kilts, today if it's a biblical prohibition for a man to wear a skirt. But in Scotland, if you live in Scotland and you're, you're an Irish pair or you're playing, okay, kilts are the, acceptable. Therefore, in that society, it's a male garment. Okay. So now the question today becomes where, especially um, in a place like Texas, where it's the norm for females to carry weapons, because that's on the Gemara's list of something that would be considered, uh, again, we're talking about large, in, in those days it was large Manly. weapons, so uh, uh, carrying a sword, they would even wear it for decorative, it was sort of an item of clothing. So decorative sword, a spear, a spear, males would wear that, women would never walk out with that wouldn't be caught dead carrying a sword or a spear. Same thing so, in Israel with women's uh, soldiers. So but now where it has become, let's say, and again, I don't know the numbers, but I, I probably wouldn't say equal, but I'm sure there are large numbers of females in Texas carry weapons. 
okay, in, in Israel for sure. If it's pikuach nefesh, meaning, of course, if you're doing it to protect yourself, you live in Foundry Southwest, so then it's, an obligat- it's obligatory to carry a gun, male or female. There's no difference, meaning that's pikuach nefesh. But we're saying if you live in a safe area and you carry a weapon for, I don't know, whatever reason, because, you know, just in case, so where it's not a question of pikuach nefesh per se, where it's not a question of life saving, so that's where it becomes a question. Is there a pro- prohibition for a female to carry the weapon? Is it still, do we still view it as a male garment? So I, I would like to propose again, no, I haven't seen this yet, I'm still doing the research, that it's not an issue. First of all, when, we, when the Gemara talks about it, it's talking about large weapons, which they wore actually, it was, it was a decorative also. You had spears and swords that were, had all these jewelry on top, you know, nice, um, and had your initials, whatever it is. When we're talking about a rifle, that could be an issue. But a pistol is not an item of clothing. No one, you don't wear it. I mean, even if it's in a holster, it's not a, it's not decorative. Meaning, no one. I mean, there are technically, I guess, decorative pistols. I actually have one. Someone gave me a pistol from 1920, which is very decorative. But but it's not an item of clothing. So one can argue that a pistol is not even in this question. But I, but just to address, just want to stick to our topic, which is societal rules or not societal rules, societal changes, as you see, will affect halachic rulings, but not that the halachic changing. Again, it's the application here of this, the Torah says, don't cross-dress. We have to define what's a male garment and what's a female garment. So that will depend on society. That's subjective society, but again, it's not that the halachic is changing, or it's, the ruling is changing, but the definition, the principle is still the same. A male can wear female garments, and a female can wear male garments. Okay, today, I don't know if you know, there's a trend, which is clear in society, everything's becoming unisex. Because of the, we're losing our gender identity, we're not going to go, that's all different topic, but it used to be you go to the glasses store, okay, you go to get glasses, you, you would, there would be a male section, one wall, and uh, today it's one section, everyone, you know, the glasses are unisex. What? They don't have any men's glasses, I can't find them. So, so society, I think, we're, we're erasing the lines between genders and everything. Eventually, maybe they won't, this rule won't be applicable at all. You know, everything will be the same. So, well, uh, they won't be male and female uh, underwear. It will be unisex underwear. This helps explain why the response is slow, so slow to respond. That, I mean, the, the, especially nowadays, where the changes are so rapid, the, uh, the temptation would be to change what's considered normal society, but the response, it seems, is designed to mitigate the rapidity of the change, because you have rabbis all over the world maybe issuing rulings on what's acceptable in the local society, and it takes time for that to filter down to everybody yes. else. And it looks like it's, it's part of the system. It's designed to be that way, slowly respond. Yes, yeah, uh, it is part of the system. I'm not sure if it's designed that way, but we're very careful about changing these things. As we said, it's a slippery slope and, you know, they're very hesitant. Rabbis are very scared of their own shadow and they're very hesitant to change things, especially to the lenient side. To the strict side, it's easy to change, which is, by the way, it's not the sign of a good rabbi. The sign of a good rabbi is someone who's ready, to, who's courageous enough to, to rule even to the lenient side. Anyway, anyway, anyone can be strict. That's easy. Being strict is, is easy. The question is, do you have to be courageous enough to be confident enough in understanding the halacha to know that you can be lenient. That's, that's real courage. And it's much harder to do that because rabbis today, you know, you're scared of what the other rabbi's going to say, what the chief rabbi, you know, no one's going to accept you, you're going to lose all your congregants, this one, you know.
from the Jewish Ethnic Institute. For a complete selection of our lectures, please visit our website at j-ethics.org. Shalom. Shalom.